He's kind of like the Joe Rogan of the hospitality industry right now. Things are going great. You could be 80, 90% direct bookings, but things are about to change in 2024. Data regulation, big tech not playing nice with each other or us. And then you have uh, the cookies disappearing and a dozen other things, which is going to make data so hard to come by. And then finally, you have Google Analytics transitioning to GA4. So now they're forcing you to play their game even more. It's going to be so incredibly difficult to drive direct business that right now I think a lot of companies are taking for granted. So I will say that companies that start using AI right now understand how to fit into the business because it takes time. It's not a simple integration. Tomorrow, you have AI running. It takes time to start crawling, walking, jogging, then running. Very, very one per, Only one manager I know is running with AI. Everyone else is still very much in the crawling and walking stage. You're listening to Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast, a podcast for those who are in and around the hospitality industry who love, live, and breathe what they do. You can join us for candid and unscripted conversations with hospitality experts and founders as we go deeper into their personal stories while they're sharing their triumphs and trials that got them to where they are today. I'm your host, Will Slickers, and you're listening to an episode of Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast. Now, let's begin. Welcome back to the podcast. I would love to introduce you to Vintory and Safely. About Vintory, we've had Brooke Fotts on the podcast, who is a founder, multiple times, and him and his team know numbers. They know data and they know marketing. They know how to help property managers just like you scale and grow their business by adding more inventory, aka more homes, into your rental program that drive the bottom line. For all of you listeners that want to learn how to scale and grow your inventory, you can get a free digital copy of Brooke's book called From Zero to 500 Properties in Five Years. And for an added bonus, if you would do a demo of the Vintory platform, you'll get a $50 gift card to Amazon. Now that's a sick deal. And now to touch on our friends at safely.com. Safely.com helps property managers just like you and I protecting the homes that they manage from structural damage to content damage and of course bodily injury. This means plates, linens, cups, couches, tables, curtains, walls, and of course your guests themselves are protected. And this helps you by scaling your company in order to ensure that you are retaining owners and inventory in your program. If anything is broken or if anyone is hurt, you are able to make a claim through Safely and within three business days you can get instantly paid out to replace any items and settle any claims that happen on site without having to deduct from your owner's payouts. That's why I call these guys the dynamic sponsor duo. And thank you so much for tuning into the podcast. Check out their offers in the show notes and back to the episode. All right, Slick Talkers, welcome back to another episode of Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast. And we are brought back with a, another guest who has been on the show once before. His name is Evan Dalgo, and man, does he have a lot to cover with us today. So Evan, my friend, one, I'm honored to get to jump into this whole conversation and series that we're going to do together. And two, it's good to see you again, just in general. You're a great guy. I love seeing you on stage when you speak at conferences and obviously on other podcasts. So I'm just really looking forward to the chat today. Thanks. Well, I am always grateful to sit down and talk with you. So I'm excited to just go deep into AI in whichever direction you want to take this. Awesome. So Evan and I have kind of put together a working doc for us to really focus on education and knowledge-based 
conversation, basically. So this first episode out of this whole series is going to be about laying the ground, the foundation, the, the work behind AI. What is it? How do you differentiate pieces of AI? Is AI the word and term being overused and bundled with other things? So we're going to jump into all this. So Evan, to kick this episode off, I really want to ask you for laying the groundwork, what is AI and is the word being overused in general based off of its original definition? Yes. So I am a machine learning consultant, which is a subcategory of AI. And I'll tell you that about five, six years ago, an AI boom happened. Everyone was talking about it. The buzz was everywhere. And then it was sort of just fizzled out. It was like the boy who cried wolf. So AI became very unpopular because everyone overused the term, even though it's not true. If it's automated, AI. If it does something for you, AI. So uh, yeah, I would say 99% of the time a company says they're using AI, they're not. I think that's going to change with the access to like chat GPT and other things. But uh, nine out of 10 times, they're not actually using real AI. So it's definitely overused. And it's important to know the right questions to ask and how to do due diligence. That way you can see, are you using real AI or is it branded AI? So you mentioned ChatGPT, and this has been one that's been very popular in the industries outside of hospitality in general as well. But in hospitality, we're seeing a lot of conversations of people being either really concerned or really enthusiastic about ChatGPT and its application to our industry. So would you consider ChatGPT and that AI to be a legit AI? Or is this, again, another exciting phrase of people using automation? No, it's, it's real AI. It is extraordinarily powerful. I know we've both used it plenty, but I think the idea stems from humans that use AI will be better than humans that don't use AI. And the idea is how do you have a team of two doing the work of a team of 20? And that's what AI really empowers you to do. It takes massive amounts of data, in this case, on your guests, and you can start understanding their preferences, affinities, and purchasing power. And then you can start autom automating outputs, whether it's personalization, whether it's email marketing that's specific to that guest, or it's chatbots, whatever it is. So uh, yes, ChatGPT is real AI. I will say the biggest difference though is the conversational component. Because we've had companies like Jasper and, uh, and Wolfram Alpha, and there's probably a dozen other companies that have been doing something similar, but those were mostly just giving you an answer. ChatGPT is almost like someone's on the other side typing it up. So I think that component has really intrigued everyone because it's almost like there's another human. So yeah, absolutely real AI. And I do think that's going to the humans that use it for whatever they're doing. If they're a copywriter, they're an accountant, whatever. If they have tons of labor, manual labor, and ChatGPT can do it in a blink of an eye, you better use it. You'll do so much more business. 100%. And we've actually been playing with it on our end from the podcast side. And it's been great because we're already a small team, team of three. And you know, team of three working with 33 podcasts already. So this already enhances a lot of our stuff from show notes to all sorts of other copy. Can you dive into one? I want to kind of more of a two part question here. But why is all AI not created equal? So why is something like chat GPT so powerful compared to another AI that is AI, but can't do the same type of response that chat GPT has done? And we have all seen as an example. Yeah, so let's uh, let's maybe do a minute or two of just AI education, just so we know what we're yeah. talking about. So AI, artificial intelligence, is this just umbrella term. It doesn't really mean something super specific. All it means is that something is taking a ton of data and then has an output. So ChatGPT takes whatever data you put in and then spits out whatever you command it to do. So that's what AI is, the idea of it. And, and then you have two components of that, subcategories, 
machine learning and natural language processing. In other words, ML and NLP. So NLP is a version of ChatGPT. You're taking language, you're understanding the sentiment analysis, and you're able to just do what ChatGPT does. Put in a, a query and it'll give you the answer just like a human would, except it does it within seconds rather than minutes or hours. Now the machine learning side, which I'm sure NLP and ChatGPT is using, the machine learning side is how do you keep improving based off the data you get? So for example, when we go on Amazon and we start clicking around, we use Amazon all the time. Amazon knows our purchasing power, they know our preferences, they know our affinities. So Amazon's gonna start showing us products that we like and we'll actually click a product that we don't necessarily want, but we know it's gonna take us to the whole other category with other products we want. And the next thing you know, our cart has 10 things. So Amazon, every time you click, it's learning, okay, they like this. Every time you don't click, it's saying, stop serving them that stuff because they don't like it. So that ability to learn is the key to true AI. Now, a lot of solutions currently are something we hear called heuristics. Scary word, but all it means is snap reaction. So you click this button and maybe give them two routes. So if they press yes, then you say, what's your email? If you press yes, then the idea is just speed and giving you an automatic response and taking you to the next step. That is the foundational level of AI. You have to have heuristics in place but it doesn't mean the heuristics are improving. Again, they're just about speed, not improving in accuracy. So then you add AI or machine learning to the heuristics, and that's when you get constantly improving recommendations. So back to the question then, how do you know if it's created equal or not compared to, you know, obviously there's a lot of, like we are hospitality professionals. We are not AI, we are not tech professionals, as much as we'd like to assume we are sometimes. Yeah, we're very much in the the space of service and operations. So when all of this hits us as operators from vacation rentals to hotels, even restaurants, you know, this is a whole new world. How does one take all this in and then apply it knowing what one to apply versus like a chat GPT or a Jasper or whatever else is out there? Yeah. So let me just say that if it's working, it's working. If you're happy, then you're happy. So like the chat GPT companies that are going to start spawning and companies leveraging other forms of AI for their own services, that's fine. If you're happy with what they're providing, then who cares? But let's say a company is coming to sell you an AI chatbot or an AI personalization platform or an AI marketing or whatever it is. Go on their LinkedIn and check out their employees. A lot of these companies that use the word AI don't even have any engineers. So that's the first red flag if they don't have any engineers, but if they, even if they have one or two engineers, it's still not AI. For example, our company, we have almost 50 employees, which over, like, I think 75% of them are engineers. And then half of them are machine learning engineers and the mathematical modelers. These are incredibly sophisticated problems. So if there's a company of five employees selling you AI, it's just likely not. These things require teams, they require time, they require processes. And we're so early on that unless you've been, unless the company's been doing this for years and they're super high tech, then it's likely not AI. But bottom line, go to their LinkedIn, look at their employees, and that should give you some good insight as to who's building their product. Well, let's unpack the AI and automation piece. So there's a part that is constantly learning and it's supposed to give you a faster result rather than waiting for a human to give the same response, if not a better response and faster. But then automation gets bundled into this, right? So kind of break out like why should the industry look at automation and ai completely separate because i do automations for a lot of things we have obviously templated messages that go out to guests when they book pre-arrival you know post check-in 
pre-checkout, all the all the other stuff. That's automation, right? That's what I consider automation. An AI, you know, machine isn't typing it all up the minute that it's supposed to send out. So I guess can you walk through how do we acknowledge the difference, obviously, without dumbing it down too much? Obviously, it sounds you know, pretty simple, but yeah. Yeah, let's use the example you just gave. So let's say uh, for a chatbot or an inquiry, you have 10 possible responses and you give a response depending on the question. What AI would do is figure out what are the what is the best response for that question. That way you can remove the human from the loop. So right now you're still going to be very much involved. Certain aspects of a chatbot or just whatever it is uh, require that human in the loop. But um, down the line, the idea is that anything you have automated, add more options to that and the AI will choose what's the best option to deliver to that guest. And a good example of this is marketing. So right now, uh, a lot of these, a lot of vacation rental managers will send a biweekly or monthly newsletter. Just hear the updates in our city, in our town, here are the activities, check out the spring properties, whatever it is. And in those emails, you can have personalized properties for, for each guest. So the properties in that email, the, hey, check out these properties recommended for you. Those will be personalized to the preferences and fittings of purchasing power of that guest. Now, traditionally, you just had like a featured properties and you sent the same three properties to all 50,000 guests. But now you can send ideal properties to relevant guests. You no longer have to email blast the same properties. So regarding automation, yes, the email is going to go out regardless. You have that timed at the best time through your CRM. You have everything else in place. But then how do you personalize the output to each guest? That's what AI is. So AI itself is not necessarily automation. AI can fuel automation. That way you can scale effectively. A lot of these companies that do that type of marketing they spend days out of the week mangling the data, grappling with the data, sanitizing it, getting in order just to send one email. With AI, that can be done within the blink of an eye so you could focus on deploying rather than just putting out fires. So I think uh, all these processes, these automations that we currently have, AI is only going to power them further to be tailored to that specific guest. Well, let's dive into that a little bit. You you mentioned increase, increasing efficiencies, right? So can let's walk through efficiencies. Obviously, you've done a lot of consulting in the space from big, big VRMs that everyone knows to some that maybe are just operating and just going as full scale as they can. So let's talk about the efficiency part, because I think especially in this time right now, especially I think this podcast will go out shortly after we record and edit and stuff. So, you know, obviously everyone's struggling with labor. Everyone's struggling with hiring getting the right people in the door, making sure they stay in the door. They don't just sign up for a, a fat paycheck and then six months later go go out and you know go to the next competitor or even leave the industry. So let's talk about the efficiency part. What do you see when it comes to efficiency? How can operators look at it as a benefit rather than a scary new tool to look at that maybe gives a lot of people hesitancy to, to even think of? Yeah, so this is, I guess, just... Uh... The inflection point we're at right now it's a huge paradigm shift just going from the traditional pen and paper days to having ai just do things at scale for you but there's an excellent book called scale by jeffrey west jeffrey west is a scientist and what he does is he finds scaling laws that are visible throughout any category of life whether it's biology nature businesses cities they all have the same scaling laws with businesses every time a business doubles in size it must at minimum get 20% more efficient. Otherwise, it's getting fatter, not leaner. So how are you going to do that? You can't just hire double the employees because then you're just, you're just bulking. You're not actually getting more efficient. So this is where AI comes in. And, and this is where I want to 
really make a point that AI is not going to directly replace tons of humans. Maybe 10, 20 years down the line, that's the case, but let's worry about that, that right now, AI is going to empower humans to do so much more work effectively at scale. So the idea is your team of two can do the work of a team of 20. So that way they don't have to mangle with all this data. They can just focus on deploying. That way they can just focus on creating content and adding the personalized components with AI rather than doing it all, which takes weeks or months of their time. So the idea is how do you take your team, which has been doing an excellent job, give them the tools to do things at scale. That way you just stayed super lean and you're growing really fast. So uh, I, I think that's a really core component to scaling with AI. Well, can I ask you this? And this is like not anything I planned on asking until I just heard you say this. So do you think this is sustainable with the, the amount of speed that we are moving in? Not with just tech and AI, but you know, if you have a team of two and you become more efficient, yes, this is great. Like any business owner would love to not have to waste time and potentially money on, on hiring someone who may or may not stay through a, you know, a long period of time at the company. So it does work and you're cranking out, but do you think it's sustainable for humans to work at this type of efficiency with, you know, yes, you could trust AI and, and use it to, to help your workload, but do you think it's at the speed we're moving, is that sustainable? Yeah, and, and the reality is, is we've been using AI for 10 years. We just don't know it. Booking.com, literally since 2012, has been talking about implementing machine learning into their website, to the A-B testing, to the booking journeys. So we've been using AI for years to the point where it's an expectation. We all expect that Amazon experience when we go online and shop. And if we don't have it, we don't have that booking.com, Expedia, Airbnb experience when we're on a direct booking website, we leave. So the bar has been set very high. And the idea is that AI is not consuming all of your time. The idea is that eventually these processes are taking care of themselves, they're autopilot. Like for example, personalizing properties on your website in the search process. That doesn't require a human to come back again and again. It just requires them to reap the rewards, lower their customers down into the booking funnel, and just automate that step of the booking funnel. So is it sustainable? Absolutely. The part that I'm concerned about is that there are many managers that have it all figured out. They've been doing it for 50 years, and they've, they know every aspect of their business. They don't need to change a thing. Now, I think those vacation rental managers are going to get squeezed out of their markets potentially because right now things are going great. You could be 80, 90% direct bookings, but things are about to change in 2024. Data regulation, big tech not playing nice with each other or us. And then you have uh, the cookies disappearing and a dozen other things, which is going to make data so hard to come by. And then finally, you have Google Analytics transitioning to GA4. So now they're forcing you to play their game even more. It's going to be so incredibly difficult to drive direct business that right now, I think a lot of companies are taking for granted. So I, I will say that companies that start using AI right now understand how to fit into the business because it takes time. It's not a simple integration. Tomorrow, you have AI running. It takes time to start crawling, walking, jogging, then running. Very, very one per, Only one manager I know is running with AI. Everyone else is still very much in the crawling and walking stage. And everything we spoke about today is very much crawling and walking. So I, I will say that the ones who are using AI now and start to jog, they're going to be the consolidators. The ones that don't use it as much and, and are playing catch up two years down the line, they're going to be the consolidated. All right, Slick Talkers, now for another dynamic sponsored duo of the podcast, Minute and Hostfully. If you haven't heard of Minute, Minute is the number one noise and occupancy detection device for short-term rental operators just like you. From their outdoor and indoor sensors, you can ensure that with their audio ID technology that you are not getting any false positives for things like wind blowing, 
plates breaking, dogs barking, doorbells ringing, you name it. You will only get notified when there's an actual potential party happening on site, and that could both be indoor and outdoors, especially as we come up to spring and summer seasons. Not only that, but they have amazing integrations from smart locks and other software partners, of course, like Hostfully. Now, if you don't know about Hostfully, then Hostfully is a property management platform built for short-term rental operators to ensure that they have the best connectivity with channels like Airbnb, Verbo, and Booking.com. Not only that, but they have the best integration marketplace I've ever seen, so that way, Operators like you can choose and pick their tech stack without having to force and comply to different operations that just don't make sense for you. Plus, their digital guidebooks are the best in class and your guests will love them because all the information they need to know about check-in all the way to check-out and the destination are right there at the touch of their fingertips. Check out these special offers from our partners, both Minute and Hostfully, in order to ensure that you are getting the best value with your technology as you continue to operate your business. Back to the episode and thank you so much for tuning in to Slick Talk. Walk us through these changes coming in 2024. You know, you're talking about GA4 and all this other stuff, cookies disappearing. What does that mean in real, in like hospitality, business owner terms that like, I didn't realize like the GA4 thing until you and I talked planning this episode. I was like, what the heck? And I was went onto my Google Analytics account and saw all these changes happening that were like literally notifications just popping up right when I logged in. So what does this look like? What should people be prepared for? So Google Analytics is a core component to your vacation rental direct booking business. It shows you your revenue per visitor, your average booking values, and essentially gives you autonomy to control your own destiny because that's direct business. So the changes coming regarding data have been happening for years, but finally it just all accumulated and is happening all at once. So cookies are disappearing. That's been planned. Cookies are a way for companies to stalk you across websites and devices. So that's all disappearing, which people are happy about. Because, oh, I'm no more, no longer being followed around by companies and I have my space back. So cookies are disappearing. That is going to be very rough for companies because now you don't know where your customers looked at on other sites. Now you don't know what they do. So you have to find other ways to understand their behavior. Now we have the data regulation point. So in Europe, they have what we call the GDPR. America is adopting almost identical legislation every other month. Every other month for the last several years, they've been just slowly, gradually implementing GDPR type regulation. So that's happening. The third one is that big tech is no longer playing nice. For a long time, Apple and all these companies would share the data with other companies using their platform. But about a year ago, about a year ago, Apple shut that off. They shut the hose of free data off. And you look at Facebook stock, look at all these companies' stocks. It hurt them because they can no longer personalize their social media feeds, their, their customer journeys. So big tech is not playing nice with each other. And they're especially not playing nice with us. And I guess a good point for that is that GA3 is turning into GA4, and that's just lowering us deeper into Google's system, forcing us to play their game. Not necessarily a bad thing, but you can't customize things. You have to really use Google's ecosystem if you want to thrive. And that's the idea. So between all of those things, driving direct business is going to get substantially more competitive. And it's going to get harder. So customers that aren't driving direct bookings today, it's going to be, it's going to be rough. And you're going to have to spend a lot of money on pay-per-click because those are already super expensive. And you're going to have to figure out what your best acquisition channel is. But uh, starting in 2024, the world is going to be an entirely different place. So the companies that aren't implementing a, a book direct site or haven't been collecting customer emails, they're the ones that are really going to suffer because they're not going to have the amount of data that we've had in the past like everyone else has. Now they're going to be working with basically breadcrumbs. Is that what you're saying? On top of that, correct. On top of that, they're also not going to have enough data to use AI. So this is the part where we can talk about guest intent data, 
which is when a guest comes to your website, you don't know anything about them, but then they start clicking on certain properties. Then they're looking at certain amenities, looking at certain photos. That's where AI comes in to learn because right now we're getting an anonymous guest and because of all the data regulation, we're not going to have any data on these, on these anonymous customers. So by having an engaging direct booking site, understanding your Google Analytics, you can then take all that data, pipe it into a machine learning engine and do a variety of things. So I think that's a major part of, of just accumulating enough data for AI to work. And if you're not driving direct bookings, you're not cultivating enough data. So it's like a, a double-edged sword in many ways. How many data points does it take to feed an AI appropriately to actually do what it's supposed to do? Yeah, traditionally, it takes tons of data. And, and machine learning was only accessible to big tech and, and enterprise for a long, long time. My team, they founded Google Ads Machine Learning. So they built the world's biggest personalization engine at scale. And they specifically left Google AI because they're like, how do we democratize this for smaller businesses? They realized that the leverage that big tech has over us for a 10-year head start, billions of dollars going into R&D on machine learning and AI, like we have to democratize this. So that's where I guess we've been working on how do we make this available to smaller businesses. Right now, we see that threshold at about 100 properties and 10 to 20% direct. That's about enough. So call that 100 properties, 10 to 20% direct, and five to 10,000 monthly web visitors on their website. That is enough to be effective with machine learning. Now, we are trying to figure out ways to make this accessible to even smaller vacation rental managers. So like products we're working on, like predictive reviews. How do you, if you have thousands of reviews, how do you show the best review to that specific guest at that moment? Um, so things like that, I want to figure out how to make accessible to smaller businesses with 20, 30 properties because they also need that leg up. They need that qualitative edge if they want to compete in the long run. I will say it's going to be a tough one. It's a lot of modeling. It's a lot of what we call lookalike modeling, saying, okay, this customer that landed on your website looks like these last 20 guests that converted. Let's guide them down a similar route. But then based on every click they make, every engagement they do will enrich their specific profile and further tailor the experience to them. So start by guiding them down something similar but then based on their behavior, you personalize the experience to their preferences and affinities. So for all those reasons, you need a ton of data, but it is becoming less and less as we, beget, as we get more sophisticated. Probably going to get a lot of crap from listeners on this question, but do reviews really work like that? Like, does that really going to help somebody book by seeing similar? Like, I personally am not a review guy. I don't look at a lot of reviews when I'm buying products or booking a vacation or Anything like that. Is that something that would actually work? Because I personally am like, nah, I don't care. <laughs> it's, you know, it's not going to impact me. So, yeah. Well, you're the minority. Um, <laughs> I think uh, I think the stats on reviews are 95% of customers use reviews to buy a product and 90% use reviews before they book a property. And 50% of customers won't even book a property without any reviews. Wow. So reviews are integral. But let's say you're on the website, you're looking at, you're looking for a big kitchen, a big house because you're bringing out your cousins and your family. A machine learning yeah. engine will pick up that you're looking for those things. And then it will notice in the reviews, we can understand the sentiment. We'll show you all the reviews regarding the space and the kitchen and things tailored to you. Not make the customer sift through thousands of reviews, rather show the top three specifically tailored to that person's intent. So that's where I think reviews, they're not going to be like a, a guaranteed revenue driver, but it's all about improving the 1% here and there. That way it compounds in value. And yeah. uh, if you look at booking.com's website, every day booking.com is running 1 million A-B tests. That means they're moving the search bar a little bit lower, putting the properties here, changing the design. All of us are having unique booking.com experiences. 
And then they take that data, they put it in the machine learning engine. It says, these work the best for these types of customers. These styles look the best for these types of customers. And the idea is, is that once you start working with AI and A-B testing, you'll eventually figure out what works best. But you have to get to that point in order to get there. So for those that aren't booking.com size, where do they start? Obviously, we've talked a lot about the pieces of booking direct and getting data and all this information. But for these smaller VRMs that, you know, are trying to figure out how to get to 100 and how to get to this and all these other pieces, you know, what's the actionable things that they can start doing in order to get ahead of the curve rather than, you know, in 2024, the new year strikes and all of a sudden we're, we're kind of SOL. That is correct. You start with a direct booking website that works well. And the reason is because all of that data is saved in your Google Analytics. And then if they book with you, then it's in your PMS and then it's in your marketing cloud. So getting that direct booking is incredibly important. And the way you do that is you just follow e-commerce best practices. Do not reinvent the wheel. Just do what works. Have your, your search bar for all the high intent visitors. And then right below that, have recommended properties just so you can boost them, keep them engaged, have options for amenities. Do not have many words, but just have an e-commerce site that flows. At the end of the day, direct bookings are e-commerce. Instead of the package arriving at your front door, the guest arrives at your front door, but the process of purchasing is the same. And the reason e-commerce is improving is because they're driving a ton of direct business to the point where they actually swung the pendulum away from Amazon. Amazon shuttered 40 warehouses, pulled out of like 100 leases because direct business is effectively using similar technology to Amazon to drive the customers. So the idea is that if you're going to send customers to your website using pay-per-click, make sure your website is ready to convert them. There's so many websites that are just absolute garbage. And these people spend five, ten thousand $10,000 a month sending customers to their website just to fail. So at the end of the day, have a website that is simple. It works. It gets the job done. It, has, it feels secure. It looks secure. Make it feel like you're having an OTA experience because that's the expectation. By doing that, you're going to cultivate so much data. You're going to grow your direct booking business. And then when the time comes, you'll be able to integrate AI pretty seamlessly. I love that. And we'll dive into more at the end of the episode. But I also want to go into the VRM vendor real quick. How is AI, especially something like ChatGPT, going to impact the vendors, the people that are providing marketing, providing email, book direct website, booking engines, uh, property management softwares, revenue management tools, turnover tools. We can go into pretty much every category. How is this going to impact them? Yeah, so I think a big part of our business is is copywriting and blogging. So I think the bloggers are going to actually get more efficient. The ones that use it, they can still like have, I guess, the meat of it, say, ChatGPT, do this for me. And then they fill it in with their own words. I think that's going to happen a lot. And what that's going to do is improve SEO. But at the same time, everyone's doing it. So the entire community is going to level up together. I think a bunch are going to get left behind. I think a few will be ahead, but this is going to level up everyone together. So I think for regarding copywriters, SEO, things regarding just content building on, and words, that's going to be huge. I think uh, a lot of it also is helpful for reporting processes. So ChatGPT is great at building tables, great at building spreadsheets. Just tell it what to do and it'll, it'll set you up. It'll save you dozens of hours of just setting up the infrastructure for some of these reporting methods. So um, I, I think it's going to, the companies that use it, it's going to save dozens of hours per person a week. That way they can spend it elsewhere to grow the business. I do think it's going to hurt a lot of customers, a lot of vendors that just have a product that's like conflicting. They have a product that's just a competitor where they're saying, hey, we can do all these things for you. And they're like, yeah, but not ChatGPT does it for free or $20 a month. 
So I think that will be a little bit, but I think more so it's going to, it's going to help than hurt. Awesome. I love it for the VRM side for actual takeaways, just to kind of wrap up this episode going into due diligence. So you, you mentioned like, check out the company's LinkedIn, right? If you see five employees and none of them are engineers, it's kind of a, a red flag where like, Hey, maybe avoid that. But what other type of due diligence can, like, again, I, I mentioned we're hospitality providers. We're not tech companies. We're not AI experts. We're not, you know, getting to go speak at all these conferences and talk about data the way that you get to. And it's great that you are out there, but for the average Joe, how do they do this proper due diligence to make sure they're not getting screwed over or buying a product that's not really going to work? Yeah. So there's two types of due diligence. There's due diligence for your core systems as to what data are you collecting and is it rich enough? So like for your PMS, your CRM, all those things, just go speak to your, your rep and see what data are you collecting and is it guest intent data? And if you're not collecting enough, then figure out a way to, to fill in the void, whether it's a Wi-Fi cultivation tool, who knows? Just figure out how to collect as much data as possible. Now, regarding due, further due diligence, some, uh, some questions I would ask are, are these heuristics or is there actual machine learning involved? And that's saying, is it a snap reaction or is it gradually improving over time? And uh, if they stumble on that, then they're lying to you. Well, that's another one. Two, you could, uh, you could ask them about their pedigree. Be like, where, where did your team learn this AI? How did you guys get these skill sets? And if they don't have a good answer, they're lying. It's really <laughs> just, it, it's about probing their experience. Because at the end of the day, you're not going to validate if their financial, if their uh, mathematical models are correct or not. You're not going to validate their code to say, is it AI? What you can ask them is like these, I guess, surface level questions to see if they're, they're BSing you or they actually have the knowledge to do these things. So I think it's really uh, about it, using your human to human skills to see, are they telling the truth? It's funny because yeah, human to human to find out if the AI is real. <laughs> I love it. it. That's why I was laughing. I was like, oh, nice. I, I like this. You, you also mentioned like web flows, recommendations, and how, you know, it's kind of like a practice, the best e-commerce practices, right? So for people that are looking into book direct engines and kind of the software behind it, is there kind of any like one or two things that you recommend that they look for when they're shopping for this type of product or tool to start implementing today? Yeah. Okay. Three things to implement today. First, invest in your mobile website. It is ridiculous how 90% of the industry more, 95% of the industry does not have an effective mobile website. 55% of Airbnb bookings are done via mobile devices. Other OTAs are in the 20 to 40% range. Why are we not investing? Like the computer is no longer just at our desk. It's in our pocket. 50% of customer of, of guests or travelers use their phone to do research. You want to make sure that you have that step of the funnel ready to lower them down deeper. Maybe they'll find you on the phone first. And if you don't make a good impression, they're not going to go find you on a computer. So have a mobile website. Two, have customer reviews on your website as well. Um, I know you're not a review guy, but uh, majority of people are. It's like the easiest way to do research and feel secure. Have that on your website. And three, have payment security on your website. Have those logos that say there's insurance, you're protected. If you're scammed, we'll refund you. And make sure that you're using common payment methods like Stripe, Google Pay, whatever it is. Don't have these choky fill in the boxes, these forms. That is from 1990 to 2000. We are 25 years later now. We need to have modern, yes, do anything you can to make it feel like an OTA because they've mastered it. So let's just copy and paste. And by doing that, getting those direct bookings, you can now spend money on pay-per-click, send more customers to your website, passively cultivate all that data. And then once you hit that threshold of 75 to 100 properties, 
machine learning might come into play. 100%. And Stripe's like so easy to use. I know a lot of people get intimidated by payment processing and all this other stuff. So easy. It's really like a easy, simple plug and play. So that's my my number one thing we use is just like, all right, Stripe's easy. Let's go in and it gives us everything we need. So, so Evan, one, other, one other component, Will. Yeah. And I think this is a good tidbit to transition into our our, our upcoming calls uh, with my colleague, Braden Flaherty, who's the former Blue Tent CPO. And he's uh, he's extremely sophisticated when it comes to this, is revenue attribution. It's extraordinarily difficult to attribute revenue to an anonymous web visitor that you don't really know where they came from to a booking. And that's where machine learning comes into play as well, but primarily Google Analytics. So if you can master Google Analytics, you'll be able to identify every phase of the funnel where that guest came over the course of six to eight times in the course of six to eight weeks while they're going through their booking process. So using Google Analytics effectively will allow you to see this user keeps coming back at these times. They change devices. They're getting stuck here. With those frontline insights, you can now make executive decisions. You're going to know if there are obstacles in your funnel. You're going to know, okay, let's double down on pay-per-click. So the idea of just becoming a Google Analytics Pro will allow you to see every phase of the booking funnel, and then you can just make executive decisions for your business. So well, uh, revenue attribution is something that's a bit more complicated, and we should definitely dive into on the, the upcoming episodes. Yep. I already took note, making sure that we're going to cover that. So I truly appreciate this. This actually helps me a lot too. It, it really breaks down things, whether you're thinking about it or you know it's in the back of your head or you keep seeing stuff online, but it's so high level that you're like, I don't even know where to start. So this has been really awesome to just kind of break it down piece by piece with you. And then, we'll, of course, like you just said, we'll jump in with Brayden and we'll get a little bit more high level, deeper dives and all this other stuff. But uh, really looking forward to it. And thanks again, Evan, for being on the show. See you guys all again next week. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you to our show partners for making Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast possible. We hope you enjoyed the show and we would love to connect with you outside of the podcast. So you can follow us on all of our social media channels for daily hospitality content or find us on slicktalkthepodcast.com. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode. I'm your host, Will Slickers, and we will see you guys all again next week.